how 
we spend years learning how to forgive our enemies. Either way, forgiveness is the essential activity of reconciliation, which is the central fact of the Christian life. Reconciliation is the process by which the order of our lives and relations progresses in similarity to the order of the relationships within the Trinity. It is ordained and founded by the Father, enabled through the Son, performed by the Holy Spirit. It is the primary relational experience of our life in God, not just a legal fact. It has less to do with the status of culpability than it does with possessing a relationship marked by charity. It is the identifying activity of the church through the community of the penitent and outwardly to the loss. It is the primary duty of all Christians to be reconcilers, first amongst ourselves and then to the world. But in the church, reconciliation is often challenged by habits that work against unity and healthy relationships. This is what St. Paul warns us against. This often takes the form of quiet and passive bitterness rather than open confrontation. This does not prevent us from exercising vices, but it does change their means of delivery. Instead of being loud and boisterous about our impatience, discord, and animosity towards one another, we do so in passive ways, through gospel and solemnness. Open anger and impatience that almost, but not quite, be excused as instinctive or perhaps a fault in self-control. Gossip and sullenness, the type of anger we so often find in church, the smiling on the outside but seething within type of anger, takes a lot of thought and deliberation and so consumes more of us. It's probably worse, and yet this is typically what we find and what we do. We smile and shake hands while yet being two feet and a thousand miles away from others in our hearts. As the epistle shows, though, the Christian life cannot be lived in isolation from the duty to love our neighbor. We cannot mature in the faith if we, by habit, live in discord with others. To counter these destructive habits, reconciliation in the church serves to establish a powerful threefold unity with God, with each other, and with the lost. All of these form a symbiotic relationship. Take one out, and the others are inhibited in the ways that we can express them. If we lack the central fact about our identity, our reconciled relationship to God, then everything else will feel the lack. As we practice that unity, we participate in the activity of God, in the life of the Trinity, and are drawn by grace into His life to dwell there. This affects all of our actions. Reconciliation, though, is not worked out merely individually, but also through community. By the virtue of our baptisms, we are all part of the family of God. We cannot change this fact even if sometimes we'd really like to do so. On a long enough timeline, therefore, our experience of living amongst each other as a family 
means that there are times I will need your forgiveness, and that there are times when you will need mine. Though it is at times awkward and sometimes painful, the more we forgive, the stronger our community gets, and the more that God dwells among us. We practice this type of reconciliation through confession, in private prayer, in the offices at morning and evening, in the Mass, and in confessions made to a priest. We self-examine, come to a knowledge of the ways that we fail God and fail one another. We feel the weight of this failure and then earnestly apologize and turn away from those things. And God is faithful to forgive us. We not only have to practice confessing sins, though, we also have to practice receiving forgiveness. This second activity is a discipline as well, and it is a habit of soul that begins to see past mistakes, either committed by us or committed by others toward us, in the light of grace, so that those things bring us back to God as part of the story that, though it may seem broken, nevertheless has become the means by which God has enacted His mercy and love for us so that we might in turn do it for others. Reconciliation reaches its proper end in this communal forgiveness, but does not stop there. It extends outward in evangelism. As our experience of forgiveness from God and within the community changes our lives and shapes them so to provide something attractive for those on the outside. There is a brokenness at the heart of what it means to be human. And all of us are agents of God's healing. God has brought the power of healing and forgiveness to work amongst human beings. We exercise this by the faithful use of gifts and all of our means. But above all, we look and we watch out for those who are hurting or lost so that we might bring them back to where our Lord is, so that he might heal them. Sin paralyzes and alienates. Holiness reconciles and liberates. Eventually, habitual discord and strife arrive at their final destination. The unrepentant and angry person gets exactly what they want a life all to themselves, untouched by the troublesome presence of others in the waste places outside the city of God. Habitual concord and peace, however, has its ultimate home as well. They lead us through a lifetime of practicing reconciliation into the peace of God, the healing of the nations, and the life of the world to come. Therefore, as our Lord says, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Amen.